for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent to him by, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Amen. You may be seated. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word. I got super nervous when I walked in. It was dead quiet. I was like, oh, no, that, that's, my microphone was probably on. That's not good. That's happened one time before when I was preaching. I, I walked out and I was like, uh, my mic was definitely on. I saw people's faces and I was like, oh, that's the terror of public speaking right there with a microphone. Uh, we will be in First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Uh, this will be our last time in uh, First Peter of this year. Uh, we will take a break, about a five-week break. Uh, starting next week, we're going to walk through our Advent series starting next Sunday and go all the way to Christmas morning for our Advent. And then uh, we'll do something for the new year. And then we'll come back to First Peter chapter 2 uh, at the start of the new year. And so that's just kind of a, a scope where we're going in the next several weeks. We'll take this. Uh, this morning and then take a break through Advent. I'm really excited about our Advent series. Just uh, The word Advent just means the anticipation or the coming of, and that's what we do here at Powell's Chapel as believers. Uh, Christmas is way more than a tree and some gifts. It is for us preparing our hearts for uh, what we believe uh, is a reminder that Christ came and that He's coming again, and so we'll look at that over the next uh, month in the month of December. Uh, but this morning we'll be here in First Peter uh, chapter 2, continue our series uh, through uh, this book. It's been an amazing book for me personally. I, I pray that it has been for you as we've been studying week in and week out. Just what the Apostle uh, Peter has to share with us about this idea. The sermon uh, series has been called Grace Over Disgrace. It's God's grace will always and continues to cover our disgrace. That's what we are. Fallen people, we have disgrace. We need God's grace to cover that. And so if you've been with us the first half of this book, we began to make a shift last week into what we would call the gateway passage through the rest of the book. The first uh, several messages were on uh, where Peter talks about, uh, be holy for I am holy. And so Peter's walking us through what that looks like. What is, uh, for us as believers, what does godliness and holiness look like? And so he's been mapping that out in the first few uh, chapters up until this point we looked at last week where he began to say okay this is what we've been talking about this is what your holiness is your call to now he's going to begin to put the application to what holiness or a godly life looks like and so uh, this is we looked at a 30,000 foot foot view of that last week that it comes down to what do we live holy lives for and we said last week that we live holy lives so that evil people or unbelieving people could look at the believer and say, hey, there's something different about them and there being something different about them will begin to ask questions of themselves. What's different about them? And that would be that we get to teach them the gospel, Jesus Christ, the death and life and resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that that means for us. So that what we said last week, so that they would glorify God on the day of visitation. That's the 30,000 foot view that we looked at. And now Peter's going to go into uh, on day in and day out. What does that look like? So he's going to begin to, if you will, land the plane, get out of the plane, and continue to walk us through what that means. And so this morning, 
we'll look at what, what does it mean for us to live godly lives of submission. That's the next three weeks, the next three sermons are about this word submission. So this morning's about our submission to the government, um, which is so appropriate for us during this season that just several weeks ago we uh, elected a new president. So what does that mean for us as believers? Um, what does it look like for us to have godly submission to the leaders or the authorities that God has placed over us? And then uh, next time we're together in First Peter, we're going to look at our jobs, our bosses. How do we submit to uh, be godly people in uh, a, a worldly culture in our job? And then the last thing that we'll look at is uh, what does it look like to have submission in our home? What does it look like for husbands and wives to live in submission to one another? I think we hear this word submission so often, and in our culture, submission has this uh, bad connotation. It's, got, it's gotten a bad rap. Um, for all of us, we, for me at least, when I hear the word submission, uh, it kind of makes my, my skin crawl. I'm like, ah, I don't know about submission. And, and we've got to understand that when Peter wrote this letter, uh, submission, the word submission did not have the same connotation that it does for us. That the people in Peter's day, when they heard submission, uh, it, it came pretty naturally to them, pretty easily to them. And so he's saying to us as believers, what would it look like for us to live godly lives of submission here's what the word submission means in the greek it's a military word it, and it means write this down it means to arrange in the formation under the commander let me say that again uh, to be in submission what the greek means is it's a military term meaning to arrange in a formation under a commander and so what what peter is using this word Submit is that we are to live godly lives under the submission of the ultimate commander. So we're going to get that in this passage. We're going to get that in the rest. It's not just that we're submitting to our local government or our state government or our national government, but we are in submission to a government way bigger than that. We're in submission to a king way bigger than that. So Peter's using this word of submission that we would come under authority. And to be led by other people. And so this morning when we look at the government, we're going to look at six things. And the first one is this. It's found in verse 13. We're going to look at, it's a command to submit. And the second one is the, the motivation for submission. The third one is the extent of submission. The fourth one is the reason for submission. And the last two is the attitude of submission and the application of submission. Submission. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. The first thing that we see Peter says to us is that it's a command to submit. Look at the first two words. He says, be subject. In your translation, it may have this, this phrase, or be in submit yourselves. So Peter comes out of the gate and says to us, hey, to submit is not... Uh, it's, it's not just a requirement, it's not a suggestion, but it is our command given to us by God to submit. Submission is a commandment of God. You see, I think we think, and I was told this, and it didn't dawn on me till uh, probably a year after the person told me. Someone used to tell me, hey, you only have to stop at the stop signs uh, that, that um, are trimmed in, in white. Well, every stop sign's trimmed in white. I didn't know that. I was a fairly new driver, and 
they, they said, hey, the, the yellow uh, light means to go faster. Well, that's not true. It means slow down, take caution. And so I think, and those are joking, but I think when we think of uh, the government, we think of, hey, they're just merely suggestions. I know for me, um, the speed, I'm just going to be honest, the speed uh, limit at time is just a, a nice suggestion. But as I've been studying this week, no, it's not a suggestion. Like for me to live a godly life, means if it's 70 miles on the interstate, I need to go 70 miles because if not, I'm being disobedient, not just to the government that put the stop sign, but to God himself. So when we come to this idea of submission to the government, we have to see, hey, this is not just a good idea, but it's a command from God to submit to the governing bodies. It's a command. Just like in college, um, I don't know what they, what, I thought I'd never say these words, what kids use these days, uh, but I used to have, um, I would steal music, basically, and I thought, well, if it's on the internet, I can just steal it, uh, with Napster and all, I, I mean, I had just a plethora of music, and someone once told me, hey, man, you know you're stealing? I was like, well, not really, but the more I began to talk to people, I'm like, man, that, that really is stealing. And it came down to me, a conviction, is the commands of God to submit to the government, is it really a command from God? And for me, studying this passage, those first two words have really gripped my heart. Be subject or submit yourself to. Now we're going to get into the passage, we submit because we have freedom in Christ. And so our submission comes out of our freedom in Christ. And so for me, my hope is that when we look at this idea to live godly lives of godly submission, we do so not as uh, God putting his thumbprint on us and holding us down, but we do it because we live freely with him. And therefore, we can live freely in the land that God has placed us in. Uh, I, I think Peter uh, borrows what he had conversation with Paul from about this idea of submitting. Let's turn to Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. This is going to be a key passage for us when it comes to submission with the government. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4 says this, Let every person, uh, every in the Greek means every, that means all of us in this room, let every person be what? Subject, the same word that Peter uses, or be in submission to the governing authorities. Here's the passage for us, the key for us in submission as we move forward through the rest of this passage in 1 Peter. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Verse 3. For rulers or the authorities are not a terror to, to good conduct, but bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do, you, then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. Highlight that in your Bible. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he, the ruler, the authority, does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath 
on wrongdoers. And so this passage says to us, all authority has been placed there by God. Now, whether you like the new president or don't, whether you liked uh, who he was running against or didn't, it, it doesn't matter who won the election. Because either way, whoever won the election, what Paul is telling us, what Peter is telling us, they're servants of God. That God has been the one to place them in authority. Whether you like President Obama or not, the, the bottom line is God is the one that placed him in authority for eight years. Now, I don't know what he did that for. That was not who I chose. But God is way bigger than who I choose. And so even now, as we move into this new year, we move into this new uh, presidency in January, we have to take this very serious, that God has placed him in our lives as God's servant. And so because of that, it's not that I'm submitting myself to Donald Trump, but ultimately I'm going to be submitted to the one who placed him in charge, if God is sovereign and in control of all things. See, that's what it's going to come down to. It's always going to boil back to, is God sovereign in control of all things? Do you think that in November, on the election night, God saw the numbers and thought, oh my goodness, what has happened? Do you think he was freaking out like the rest of America? Oh man, will she get the popular votes and he get the electoral votes and God's sitting up there, man, I got no idea what's happening and tunes in the CNN like us crazy people? No. It says that God knew from the beginning of time all that would happen. And so it didn't catch God by surprise. And so if that's true, then I come to God's word and I say, okay, then I must be subject to whoever God has placed in authority over me, whether I like him or don't. Because when I come into that subjection as God's command in my life to be in submission to him, then life goes uh, different. Because as the passage goes on to say, we are in submission and we live godly lives of submission to go back to what he told us in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. That if we live godly lives of submission, then the lost world around us will look at the believer and say, there's something different about him. Now, I'll get on a soapbox a little bit this morning. I was watching the news and I've been watching the news about the election and all the people protesting about the election. The, the, the scariest part for me and all that is that there were believers out there protesting. And I thought, have you not read 1 Peter? Because 1 Peter clearly tells us, clearly tells us to be in submission of that. And so for us this morning, as we move in to this submission, the submission of the government, do we believe God's word to be true? That is a command from God to submit. Because when we understand that God is in charge of all things, that he is even in charge of who he's placed above us and in position over us. And that's going to play out in the next two portions of the scripture. That's going to play out in who I work for. That's going to play out in who I'm married to. If God's sovereign in control of all things. Because ultimately, when, when I obey the government, I'm saying to God, I trust and obey you first and foremost. Whether it's the speed limit, whether it's uh, stopping at a red light, whatever it is. 
for me in my life, for you as a believer in your life? What are, where are the places that I'm not in subjection to or submission to under the government? It comes down to, it is a command from God to be in submission to the rulers God has placed over us. The next thing is this, and we have to ask this question, what for? What's the motivation for submission? If God's saying to us in this passage, hey, it's your command from me to be submission, then what's my motivation, God? And Peter answers our motivation in the the second uh, part of the very first verse. What's he say? He says, be subject for what reason? What's the reason? What's the motivation for the Lord's sake? So I'm in submission to the government who God has placed over me, not for my sake, not for your sake, but for the Lord's sake. And so we can turn to, uh, turn to Psalm chapter 119. The whole Psalm, chapter 119, it's the longest chapter in all the Bible. So if it's the longest chapter in all the Bible, verse after verse after verse after verse after verse, talk about one thing. In every single verse, except for two verses, and you can make an argument for those two verses, have to do with God's law. So every single passage in Psalm 119 have to do with us delighting in God's law. And the basis for our delight in God's law and our motivation is for His sake, for His renown, for His glory and so god's word we will understand that our motivation for doing such will honor and glorify god when i submit to the government it's not that i'm really submitting to the government though i am i submit so that god gets all the honor and glory it's amazing to me to think that me stopping at a stop sign give gives god glory because it's my obedience and my obedience is what brings god glory to the smallest of things. So we can read the, the word of God and think, well, I'm not having an affair, so I'm giving God glory. I, I'm not killing people, I'm giving God, God glory. No, what God is saying here, if I even stop at a stop sign, I'm giving God glory because I'm in submission and obedience to Him. And my submission and obedience to Him give God glory. That's the first thing. It gives God glory. It's for His sake. The second thing that we see in this passage for his sake, it comes down to, uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Here's another motivation for us. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He says, therefore be imitators of who? God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to us. The, another motivation for us to obey God and to obey the government is for this. It's to imitate Christ. If you turn into the Gospels, uh, you won't need to do that this morning, but if we turn to the Gospels and we read the, the account of the Gospels, we see time after time after time after time, what did Christ do? Christ submitted himself to the governing authorities. Remember, at the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, the moment he's praying, crying out to God, not my will, 
my will be done, but yours be done, God. And then the betrayer comes to him and kisses him on the tree, cheek. What happens? The people seize Jesus. And Peter, of all people who wrote this book, what did Peter do? He grabbed his sword and went to hack the dude's ear off. And what did Jesus say? He said, no. No, what Jesus was saying in that passage is, we submit to them. Because Jesus understood that there was a greater, uh, a greater story being written in that moment. You see, Jesus could have in that moment sent angels and obliterated everyone that came to seize him. He could have on the cross said, no, I'm not going to be subject to the government and taken himself off the cross. You see, throughout the story of Christ's life, Christ's death, and, and Christ laying in the tomb, he was under submission not just to the governing authorities, but it goes back to that phrase that he prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. You see, our motivation to submit to God's authorities is we look at Christ himself, the ultimate one that submitted. Christ submitted to God the Father when he even gave up being in heaven with him. I don't know how that conversation went in heaven, but there was a moment that Jesus Christ submitted to God the Father and said, okay, I'll submit to you. There's a story of a centurion in the Gospels and the centurion is talking with Jesus and the centurion's servant is dying, if you remember the story. And he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, will you heal, will you heal him? And then there's this exchange about, I know you can do it. And he says to Jesus, I know that you are a person under authority. I'm a man of under authority. And I say, go here, go there. They go here and go there. So you, Jesus, being a man under authority, if you say to this person, go here or there, they'll do it. Jesus lived a life of submission to the government, but ultimately to God the Father. And so therefore, we as believers, we what? As Paul says, we therefore are imitators of Christ Jesus. That's our motivation. who ultimately submitted himself to the death on a cross. The most shameful death you could occur, that Jesus submitted himself to the governing authorities to be hung on a cross because ultimately he was submitting to God the Father. Because God had a mission. That's the word, what the word submission means, under a mission. You think of the word, just play the word out. Sub means under, mission. So Jesus was in submission to God the Father. Are we in submission with God for his glory and his renown to be displayed to a lost world? That's what we do here at Powell's Chapel. It's to know him and to make him known. We're under that mission. We're in submission to God. We're under the submission of the greatest commandment. Love God with all that you have and, and make him known to the world. We live in submission to that moving to the third thing so to what extent are we to submit so the first the last part of chapter uh, 2 verse 13 and 14 he says this to every underline the word every human institution whether it's the empire as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good and so the word it's human institution, the Greek word means that this idea that God is the one that's sovereign in control of all things and that God 
made humans to create institutions. So it's not just that humans made them, but God instituted them through human beings. So every human institution comes from God because God placed it in the heart of man to put into that institution. And so to what extent do we submit to? And so we understand that it's all God's anyway. Then the next thing he says to us is this. We are first to submit to the king or to the emperor. That just means the highest ruler of the land. The king in that day ruled everything, everywhere. Here's what we got to remember when this book was written, when this letter was written, who Peter had in mind when he wrote about the emperor or the king. The king or the emperor of that day was a man named Nero. He was a wicked, wicked man. The thing that Nero would do to Christians is humiliating. They would have parties and Nero would line the streets with Christians, light them on fire so that people could see why they had a party. He hated Christians. I mean, he could not stand Christians. He took great delight in killing believers by the thousands. He was a wicked, wicked, wicked man. And so when Peter is penning this letter to the people, to the believers, he is not talking about Donald Trump. He is talking about Nero, the man that literally took Peter and hung him upside down on a cross. He was a wicked man. And so Peter is writing about this wicked king. And he says, hey, this wicked man, we are to be subject under this wicked man. This guy, Nero, he would, Peter was not talking uh, about a fairy princess. It wasn't, hey, go, go be subject to the fairy princess. No, be subjected, be in submission to this wicked, wicked man who hates you. How come? Because we're in submission to God and God has placed them there. That's what Peter is saying in this passage. The next thing he says, so remember that we're submitting to a king. And then the next thing he says is to the governors. The governors are just the local officials that Nero had to put in place. So he's saying, hey, it doesn't matter. We submit to every extent of the government. To what extent do we submit? To every place the government is in control. That's who we submit to. Moving to verse 15. What is the reason then for submission? We have the motivation is to be like Christ. And now what's the reason? The reason he gives us three reasons here in this one verse in verse 15. He says this. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So the first thing that we see, the reason for submission, it's the will of God. It's God's will for us to submit. Often people say, hey, what's God's will? God's will is written throughout the Bible. You, you don't have to guess what God's will is. One of the wills of God in your life and in my life is submission to the government. And so we, the reason we submit, it's the will of God. The second thing we do, it's the reason we submit, is what it says in that verse. We submit so that we do good in submitting. He, he says in verse 15, it's the will of God that by doing good. So the reason is we do good, and ultimately the reason is what? We, uh, it's God's will, we do good. For what reason? It's going to take us back to verse 12, but it's here again in verse 15. He says, that you, the one that's doing the submission, that's doing the will of God, that's doing the good works, the good deeds, you should what? Put to what? Silence. 
the ignorance of foolish people. And so another reason that we submit is to put to silence the people that are slandering us all over the place. You see, what normally happens is that when a person of prominence in the Christian world falls, what happens? The world around us, the unbelievers in the world say, see? See? And so what Peter is saying to us, let's give no person a reason to say the words, see? Because if we live in submission, it goes back to what we taught last week, if we live godly submission to the governing authorities, then we'll live lives above reproach. And if we live lives above reproach, then no one can come against us and say, see? They have no attack against us because we live godly lives. He moves on to say this to us in verse 16. And so therefore, what's our attitude in submission? How are we to submit? I think so often, if you're like me, at times I have a, a begrudging submission. Especially when it comes to April 15th. I hate taxes. And so I have this begrudging submission. But that's not what Paul, Peter tells us here in this passage. He's not telling us to have begrudging submission. He says to us in verse 16, live as people who what are free. See, if I live as free, there is no begrudging submission. Because if I live freely, then I will submit freely and I'll submit with an open heart. I will submit with great gratitude because why? How come we are free? What does he say to us? Live as you are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as what? Servants of God. See, if I live freely, I'm reminded that I don't live for myself. I don't live for this government. I live as a servant of God. If I'm a servant of God, then I can live freely. It's what he tells us in Galatians 5.1. Live free lives. And so the question I have to ask myself, the question you have to ask yourself, in my submission to this governing authority that's over us, the United States, do I live freely? Or do I live as if I feel like someone's choking my neck? You see, if you, whether you like what's been put in place or don't like what's been put in place, we live as free lives. And the reason and how we live as free lives is we are reminded that we're servants of Jesus Christ. And so we must continue to remind ourselves of the finished work of what Christ did for us. We must continue to remind ourselves what he told us in the, the passage last week that we're sojourners and exiles of this world that this world is is not our home we're here temporarily and so we live as if we live temporarily in this world and we live free lives do we live in our freedom in our attitude in submission to this government i think of our brothers and sisters who are in china this morning that they have some of the most uh, constricting laws about their religion. And yet, if you've ever been to China, if you've ever been to a, a place that is so oppressive to the Christians, they don't live oppressed lives. They live free lives. And what I'll, I'll say, this is a side note. 
I'm not saying that we as Christians become doormats and whatever the government puts in place, we just say okay to. That's not what this passage is talking about. There are times when we go against the government if it causes us to sin. We take a stand for what is true and what is right. I'm not saying that we just become Christian doormats that the government can walk all over. But but our tendency is that, hey, I'm not going to be a doormat at all, so I'm going to fight everything. And what Peter's saying, no, live in submission. And then when you need to, Stand up, stand up, not the other way around, is what Peter's getting at in this passage. And so do we live as free men and women? And here's the last thing in closing. In our submission, here's the application. And this is the application that has to be for all of us. And the saddest part for me is I don't believe that we here in America, I don't believe the Christian church is living these applications when it comes to submission. He says this is the application. In verse 17. He says honor everyone. The first application is that we are to honor people. Do we honor our government officials? Because what Peter is saying in this text. When it comes to honoring people. You see we got to remember that people are what? image bearers of God believer or unbeliever that every person that walks this planet has God's image stamped on them and so if that's true then I want to honor people red yellow black or white gay not gay I will honor people now in honoring people that doesn't mean I have to believe what they believe I don't have to take a stand for what they believe but I do have to honor them as Christ image bearers somebody did that for me when i was far away from the lord someone had deep compassion for me and honored me as a person and in doing so they loved me along my journey of my rebellion against god the father jesus christ and the holy spirit but i had a guy at 15 years old honor me as a person And him honoring me as a person opened my heart to a place that I could begin to ask a question to him. And I just wonder, I just wonder, do we, the church, honor people that way? Do we honor people as God's image bearers? Do every person that we come in contact with, do we honor that person? The second thing is this. Do we honor people? We love the brotherhood. Our application to submission has everything to do with what we've been teaching through this book is about relationships with other believers. Do we honor people and do we love the believer? Do we love the brotherhood? Here's what John tells us in two different places. John 13, 35 says this, by this all people will know that you're my disciples. By what? The way that you love one another. In our submission to the government and loving those who are in authority over us, do we show love to those people and do we show love to a dying world? Here's what he says in 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment, God's commandment, that we believe in the same name, the Son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another just as he commanded us. Love each other. Loving the brotherhood is a command from God. Do we love each other? I'll skip to do the last 
the next one last. It's uh, just for me, I've taken it out of order. I'll say it that way. Then he says, honor the king. It goes back to, do we honor the king? Do we honor those who God's placed over us? Like them, hate them. Love them, hate them. Have I, have you, and will we honor who God has placed over us in authority? My hope for me in my own life, as I've been studying this passage for several weeks, is this, that, that whoever God's placed in authority, and, and there comes great conviction for me, and a place that I need to repent, I have not honored who God has placed in authority over me over the last eight years. I've not honored him as a person. And my prayer for me, my prayer for us at this church is, will we honor all the government officials that God has just placed in our lives? And it's going to come out of this last place's application. I skipped it on purpose to come back to it. It's what? It's to fear God. See, when we submit to God the Father, through all that he's placed us in, we have a great reverence. We have a great fear for God. Now, I don't mean a fear that cowers us in a corner. I mean a great fear that falls on our face before a holy God. Like our fear for God, our reverence for God is a reminder that, man, we have to submit to God because God is ultimately in charge of all things. And so do we live in submission in reverence or fear of God? That's what Peter is telling us. But the application is this. Honor people. Love the brotherhood. Honor king because we fear God. You see, when we fear God, God's fear pushes us into um, obedience and to submission. Because it's God who's in control of all things. It's what he said. Let's turn back and we'll finish with this passage again. Romans chapter 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except what? From God. And those that exist have been what? Instituted by God. And then it says this in verse 4. For He, the one that we are submitted to, is a servant of God. We live godly lives in submission to this government, not because it's the government, but because God is sovereign and in control of all things, and God has placed them there. Therefore, we live in great fear of God, and therefore our fear drives us to submission and obedience. And in doing so, we now live in submission and obedience back to we are free men and women in Christ Jesus. So our freedom in God, our submission to this government, though we are still free, because of what the finished work of Christ has done for us on the cross. The gospel leads us to submission. Let us pray. God, I pray for myself. I pray for the other believer in the room. I pray, pray for us as a church, God, that we would live godly lives of submission so that ultimately, God, our godliness, our holiness, our obedience, our submission will lead unbelievers to your throne room of peace and grace and forgiveness. That we would, God, silence the ignorant people because of our 
holiness, our godliness, our obedience, our submission. And so God, it starts with us first in the room. Are we submitted to you first and foremost? Have we submitted our will and our lives over to your care? Have we placed our faith and trust and hope in you, God? Because, God, if we haven't placed our trust and hope and faith in you and we placed it in a government, it will always fail us. And doing so, God, because we know it will always fail us, we won't live in submission to that. We'll live with some angst, with some bit of control, God. But when we live lives that are totally submitted to you, we can live free lives. And I pray for that for all of us in this room, God, that we would live as free men and women because of the finished work of your son Jesus on the cross. God, I pray for any of us, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, that this moment would be a great and deep moment of deep confession for us, God. That we would say, oh, I have not submitted the way that your word tells me to submit. That's why Diane is playing and before John comes and sings, and we'll just take a moment. 